you have single-handedly changed our family because of mastermind because i felt safe enough and realized with your help realized that it's not just about the picking up of the toys and the back talk and the productive conversation scripts it's not about that it's about healing myself and becoming a better version of myself and showing up and being able to be that way for my entire family I really credit you with doing something that I literally have not been able to do with countless therapists and all the journaling and all the thinking and all the meditating and all the things. It was because of you. So thank you for helping heal what I thought was unhealable. My name is Randy Rubenstein, and welcome to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast. At Mastermind Parenting, we're on a mission to support strong-willed kids and the families that love them. You're listening to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast with Randy Rubenstein, and welcome to the show. Well, hi, guys. If you're here specifically this week, it may be because you're new to my world, so welcome, welcome, welcome. You you may have taken the Is My Child Strong-Willed quiz that I developed with Dr. Sarah, our pediatrician that we have on the podcast periodically that I'm writing a book with right now. And we came up with just a series of, I think it's 10 questions. If you haven't taken that quiz, it's free. And we'll put a link to the quiz in the show notes. So go ahead and take that quiz. But if you're here and you answered yes to two or more questions, then you have a strong-willed kid. So I think something that Dr. Sarah and I talk about a lot is that in a world of labels and diagnoses, and there's a shadow side to all of that, because quite often you go to all these specialists and you get the label or you get the diagnoses or, you know, you suspect something's going on. And then what do we do next? Like, okay, so what do I do with this information? Right. And that is really what mastermind parenting is focused on is here's your roadmap. This is what we do. This is a tangible way to look at a situation, right? That where there's a difficult, something difficult is happening. And you're like, oh, it's making my life so hard. Why can't my kid just be easier? So if you're here, your current challenge in your life is you have a child with behaviors that are exhausting you. And at the end of the day, you want to help your kid be easier, do better. You want to put a smile on your kid's face. You want, like, you know that they're making your life so hard because there's something to figure out, whether it's a diagnosis or or just like a different way of doing things. You know you're not getting through to them and you don't have a happy, healthy, thriving child. Like we know this on an intuitive level. Am I wrong? Kids when they're little bitty, yes, they're gonna they're gonna cry. You know, nobody like nobody expects to have a non-crying baby. Like we know babies cry, correct? And I think most of us, for the most part, know that like two-year-olds and three-year-olds have meltdowns and tantrums and quite often get really bent out of shape when they got the blue cup instead of the red cup, you know? So I think most of us can take those issues, like a crying baby or a toddler throwing a tantrum. We we understand it. I think where it gets dicier for most people, and yes, there are some people that are just so exasperated because their baby cries too much or their toddler has a meltdown and they just weren't expecting to ever have a toddler that had a meltdown. And many of the people who fall into that category, I don't know that they're listening to this podcast. Like the people who come to me are more like my new bestie, Amanda. You might know her. She's on a podcast with two other hosts named Glennon and Abby. Anyway, I don't really know Amanda or Glennon or Abby, but I listened to their podcast and they had an episode recently that was sort of not about New Year's resolutions, but kind of about New Year's resolutions. I think they do New Year's resolutions similarly to the way I do it. 
like we don't call it New Year's resolutions, but we do take the time to think about what we want for the upcoming year. And anyway, this episode, Amanda just wiggled her way into my heart. It's been that way lately. She's kind of a little bit of a sleeper hit because as she's got more comfortable doing the podcasting, she's just delightful. And for those of you who read Glennon's books, which I'm guessing is most of you, because I think the majority of <laughs> the people have read Untamed, at least by this point, uh, which is a fantastic book. So Glennon Doyle always refers to, she was always referring to sister, sister, sister. So her sister and her best friend and sister didn't have a name until they started this podcast. And now sister is known as Amanda, Amanda, formerly known as sister. And Amanda says on this particular episode that the thing she's committed to for the next year is to really to really handle things differently with her son. And so she goes to describe what's going on with her son. And it sounds like he has a highly sensitive nervous system, which most of us who are here understand this, where he freaks out over the littlest, tiniest things. And she's like, if you're losing your shit, I'm paraphrasing here. But what I took away from it was like, if you're losing your shit over all these teeny tiny things, like how are you ever going to be able to navigate life? Right? So what she was saying was she's, I think, been, you know, all kind of bound up, so worried about him, which I can relate to, many of us can relate to. And what ends up happening is that when we're all bound up, we go into survival mode ourselves, which usually looks like fixing, aka controlling behaviors, right? Where we just want to tell them what to do and tell them what to do and tell them what to do and exactly how to do it. Or we go into flight, which actually sort of just looks like, oh, oh, you didn't want your pancakes cut like that? Oh, let me kind of, oh, well, oh, it's not, oh, I can cut them like this. It's not a big deal. Where we're just like, we're, we don't have any boundaries. We work for them or freeze where they just act like little dictators and we're always walking around on eggshells. And when they just lose their mind, we don't know what to do. So we freeze. So most of the time we go into survival mode and it sounded like maybe Amanda had been doing some version of one of those three things with her own son. That was my inference. She didn't say that. And she was like, I'm going to be coming from a place of love. Instead of thinking there's something wrong with him, I'm just going to be loving him. And I was like, that sounds beautiful, right? Love the love game plan. But the love game plan, like, it's going to work much better with a clear path about how to implement that love game plan to actually help your strong-willed child. So I have a clear path, right? I have a roadmap that I teach parents to help all the kids like Amanda's son. And I've put it into a framework. I've been teaching it for years. It's how we start to really be able to sort of translate that love game plan into an action plan. It's how we talk to these kids in a way that they can actually hear and learn from, right? Because here's the thing. Amanda's son, like all the kids who are freaking out over every little teeny tiny thing and we're over here worrying, like if you can't handle this, this tiny issue, like how are you ever going to be able to handle the world? We know there's something to figure out and we have to, we have to learn how to teach them the skills, the skills they don't have. They are walking around with basically blown nervous systems, right? I love the way Brene Brown teaches the difference between stress and overwhelm. When your nervous system is blown, she said, it's like, if you imagine like being a server in a restaurant. When you're in the weeds, you're stressed and other people, your coworkers, they run bread out to table four. They pick up a check from table 11. They help you. They support you. But when your nervous system is blown 
and taxed and you're just, you can't even think straight. The only solution she said was your coworkers take over your job for 15 minutes. Like you have to go and just do, it's nothingness. That's the solution. Like, it's like you have to give your nervous system a chance to completely decompress. So, so often these kids, these highly sensitive, strong-willed kids, this is the deal. They're always on the verge. They're like in between the weeds and blown. And any little teeny tiny thing will cause them to go to this place where the only solution really is nothingness. and. So what I can say is, is we have to teach them the skills to manage their own nervous system, right? Because life is overwhelming for them. They're kids. And as they're grownups, when we have a clear path, yes, we want love to be at the root. Love is a beautiful thing. Thank you, Amanda. Awesome. Love it. And we need that clear path to lovingly guide them down the road to learn the skills that they currently don't have to calm their bodies down, to manage life, to deal with daily stresses. It's our job to do this. And it's next to impossible to do it without really without learning the new tools. I really think so. I think for most of us, because most of us are so triggered by our kids' behavior because there's a fear, like Amanda was saying, like, how is he going to be able to navigate life? And when you're in fear, you're not thinking straight. You go into a state of survival. So we're not able to guide them when we're in that state. So I'm going to be sharing my nice framework, really. That's my path. That's my roadmap that helps you to help teach your kids, your highly sensitive, strong-willed kids, all the things. This is the framework that I teach. You know, I've coached, I don't know, hundreds, more than hundreds of parents over two decades. And this is really my framework and what I guide people to do every time their kid shows up with a problematic behavior. This is how we talk to them in a way where they can actually hear us. So my nice framework is how we turn difficult behaviors around, how we teach our kids the skills to, to manage their nervous systems, to go from, right, where when they're stressed, when they're in the weeds, they don't have to go to blown. We help them learn how to notice when they're stressed, how to go back down and to manage their own mind and body. And so this is how we do it. And I wanted to share it with you guys here on the podcast. So without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to a webinar, right? We're going to give you a clip here on the podcast where you'll hear the framework. I introduce the framework and I really kind of talk about it. I give kind of the overview of the nice framework to start to turn these difficult behaviors around. And over the next five weeks on the podcast, I'm going to be going more in depth on each step. Okay. So grab your note taking technique. I don't know if you type in the notes section of your phone or if you're a pen to paper type of person, but you know, I think you just get it on a deeper level when you take notes. So take notes and start learning. And this is just going to be week one and you will continue hearing. I'll take each step of the framework and go more in depth over the next five weeks. And we're going to be starting to transform difficult behaviors ASAP. I know you're stressed. I know you're at times blown. You're you're nervous system. So we're going to start learning how to actually help these kids feel better and ultimately do better. So enjoy today's podcast. Most of us, we just want to be good parents, right? We just want to be good parents. So let's start 
by identifying and defining what makes a good parent. Patient, present, patient, supportive and loving, present, consistent, calm, kind, ready to listen attentively, calm, engaged, present. All of this is great. Stability, patience. Everybody's saying patience. It's really hard to be patient when your kids are screaming their heads off and hitting each other, right? Or hitting you. Available, calm and relaxed, loving, disciplined, open-minded, listener, responder, quality time, doing things together. I like everything organized and smoothly flowing. Patient, being a leader. You know what nobody, you know what adjective nobody uses? Nobody uses the word nice. Okay? Nobody uses the word nice. The actual definition of the word nice is polite and kind. Polite and kind. She's a very nice person. That's nice of you to say. So who wants to raise polite and kind little people? Right? Who? Do any of you guys want to raise polite and kind people? And the thing is, they learn by our example. They learn by what we model. So if we want to raise nice, polite, kind people. Wouldn't they learn how to be those people if we showed up first and foremost as nice people ourselves? Wouldn't that just make sense? It's sort of like obvious, right? Kind of like the duh factor. When y'all hear the word nice, nice parent, like what comes to mind for you? When it comes to parenting and we think about we need to be nice, I've had this said, like, ah, it makes me feel like I would be acting like a doormat or a pushover or a wimp. That conjures up these feelings, I think, of like, if I'm too nice, then I'm just going to be the nice girl and I'm going to be like a total doormat pushover and wimp. How will my kids ever respect me or take me seriously? So we're going to redefine what a nice parent actually looks like. And I'm going to, I'm going to do my best to try to convince you that when you show up as a N-I-C-E, nice parent, you're a parent that models politeness, kindness, respect, and leadership. With you're no, you're no pushover. You're no doormat. And you, you model the exact behavior that you want from your kids. And you show them how to actually solve problems. Nice parents solve problems. Okay, I want to read to you guys now a little thing I wrote. So the definition of a nice parent, a parent that understands that control is not the path to solve problems productively. Control feels terrible. It involves domination. It feels like the opposite of freedom. When someone's trying to control you, it feels constricting. Can you all agree with that? One thing all humans crave is freedom. So anytime control is on the scene, we feel imprisoned. Do you want your kids to feel imprisoned? Do you? Do you think that's going to bring out the best in them when they feel imprisoned? But how do we get them to do what we want them to do if we don't use control? Well, this is the shift. We have to give rather than get. When we want to change something about a person, it's very common in our society to ask, how can I get my kid to do her homework? How can I get my husband to stop yelling at our kids? How can I get my mom to stop judging my kids or my parenting style? When we ask how can I get, there are some hidden assumptions there that can be very dangerous and damaging. When we ask how can I get, it implies that we need to exert force and control on someone or something in order to bend it or bend them to our will. The natural answer is to how can I get is to use some sort of force, manipulation or coercion to get what you want. How do you get your daughter to do her homework? You threaten to take away her electronics or playtime usually. How do you get your husband to stop yelling? 
Well, maybe you try and convince them with a lot of nagging and lecturing or withhold your attention and affection as a passive aggressive measure. The problem with how can I get is that you use force as the unintended consequence and it erodes your trust and connection. No one likes to be controlled and the more you attempt to control or force, the more trust is eroded. So instead of asking how can I get, ask what can I give? What can I give in terms of support and understanding to help her to do her homework more easily? A nice parent follows the nice framework to help your child find solutions in areas where there's a struggle. What can I give assumes that the problem isn't something that will be solved with parental authority and control. There's more to the story. There are lagging skills or a lack of resources on your child's part to solve the problem. Emotional resource theory states that people do the best they can with the emotional capacity they have. And Dr. Ross Green says, kids do well if they can. So if they aren't doing a great job, it's because they're missing one or more resources or skills, not because they're being defiant purposely. And if they're being defiant, they're lacking one or more resources and can't think of any other way to change their situation. People that are prone to what seems like a constant state of defiance are living in the defense zone. Their stress levels are high. They're not healthy mentally or physically living in this constant state. They need our help and control will cause them to resist our help because it yields distrust. Start by being nice. I don't know about you, but I'm way more inclined to trust nice people. Mean people piss me off. And I think they piss our kids off. I think when we're mean, especially we piss off our strong-willed kids and we all know what happens then. A nice parent takes their time to solve problems rather than overpowering and attempting to control a child. A nice parent follows the nice framework when their child's not doing well rather than taking their child's behavior personally and making it about them. If we think about the problem, okay, and then we want to get to solutions, I want to show you guys how we follow these steps to find the solution. And I'm going to give you a brief overview so that y'all know, like over the last couple of days when I've been just teaching you guys, like giving you guys the fish dinners and going scenario, 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 every scenario I cycle through, I'm following the NICE framework. Like every scenario you guys give me, I'm thinking, what are the basic needs? N, assess basic needs, sleep and food, okay? Exhausted people suck and hungry people can't think clearly. So the first place you start when your child is not doing well, when there is a problem presented before you, is you have to first start by, usually we start by just trying to attack the problem, attack the behavior, but we have to cycle through in our brain like a problem solver, an investigator, and we start by assessing basic needs. So your child's whining, they're complaining about every little thing, they come home from school, there's been a lot, you know, somebody posted the article about after school restraint collapse when your child comes home day after day and nothing can snap them out of the mood. Every little thing sets them off. So first and foremost, they're whining, they're complaining after school, they're having all kinds of things. You're going to go in your brain and you're going to say, hungry or tired? After school, probably both, okay? So you start there. You start with a snack and you possibly start with, you know, some kind of downtime. If you've got a little one and they still take naps, you know you got to get them to sleep. Assess basic needs. Nothing you do or say is going to serve you or them if you don't start with assessing basic needs. And if you've got a hungry or tired child, you got to just start there. Quite often, a nap and a snack will solve the problem, right? Quite often, little kids, I know this was the case for my kids, maybe even still now, they don't always recognize the feeling of hunger. So you have a kid that's acting out or whining or whatever, get them food. Have those bars in your purse. Know that it's not going to be fun 
And if you have a recurring problem day after day after day, you got to bring your PAC leadership to the table and assess and know after school, first and foremost, like I got to get the people fed and we need to have some downtime if you have this recurring problem. So you always start by assessing basic needs, period, end of story. Next, let's say you assess basic needs or you give them a, a snack and it's the behavior still going on, still going on. You got to put on your investigator hat. I investigate. All behavior is communication. I teach something called the Q-tip. Quit taking it personally. It's never about you. And when we make their behavior mean something about us, it's actually quite egoic and immature. And I know we all do it. It's hard not to, especially when they're hurling insults at you because possibly there's been a pattern where when they're not doing well because they're probably feeling dysregulated on the inside and not sure how to manage all of the negative hormones racing through their body, they may have developed an outlet for all of that upset and anger by hurling insults at you and then it's game on and a power struggle or an argument ensues and you know what happens when we argue or power struggle. Even though it's not fun, there's quite often an adrenaline rush that happens, especially when you yell at someone. And so that adrenaline rush can actually be a coping mechanism to lower your stress hormones. I know it sounds crazy, but it can be a coping mechanism for how they deal with their upset. So that pattern of them hurling insults at you, you engaging in the battle rather than Q-tipping, and game on becomes, it's like you become their punching bag. And so they feel momentarily better because you're you're fighting with them. And so they get a little bit of an adrenaline rush and that's how they actually are able to kind of alter themselves biochemically and lower their stress hormones. And so when I say we need to disrupt a pattern, if that's been your pattern, even just starting from a place of, I'm gonna say a mantra in my head, take deep breaths, rub my hands together, bring some mindfulness, walk away, refuse to engage, and not go game on, not be their punch, punching bag, and disrupting the pattern just there by doing that, by managing your own mind and your own behavior, that is huge. That's how you start to disrupt a pattern. So all behaviors communication, when I have a kid that's not doing well, I gotta get curious and rather than just attacking the behavior, I need to get underneath. I've assessed basic needs. They seem to be fed and well rested and they're still not doing well. There's still lots of problems and hiccups that are coming up. What else could be going on? You know, what else could be going on? They're hurling insults at you. Could investigating what they actually need, could it be that they don't know how they want your attention? They need their love cup filled and they don't know how to do it productively. So they're just relying on this old pattern to get as much of mom's attention as they can by being mean and nasty and rude to you. Is it just that they need some time with you and a minute and a hug and you to say, what's going on? I missed you so much today. I want to hear everything. And they are still nasty. And you're like, hey, I'm over here when you're ready to talk. But I just want you to know I thought about you a lot today and I really, really missed you. You know, I really could use a hug when you're ready. Like maybe they just need their love cup filled. Maybe the problem is, is that they won't stop fighting with their sibling. They won't stop fighting with their sibling. And it might be, what is it? Like, is the sibling constantly bugging them and invading their space? And you've got an older child that like just needs some time alone or time to recharge after being overstimulated all day long. And you've got a younger child who's been who has stars in their eyes for the older child and they just can't wait for them to get home and they're used to this pattern of annoying them to get the older child's attention and so we've got that dynamic going on but the underlying need is that the older child just wants some space to rest and recharge and the younger child wants some positive attention because 
they've been a little bored and they want to play and they don't know how else to engage the older child other than this negative pattern right so we got to investigate sometimes you might have a child that has regular I mean lots of these strong-willed kids they are just dysregulated and they don't know how to process negative emotions and so they have a hard time transitioning or they have a hard time winding down once they're riled up or they have a hard time dealing with when the world doesn't go their way how to manage you know that kind of discord going on in their body and that could be it maybe you have a child maybe it's the problem that you have a child that um, said they want to sign up for soccer but every time it's time to go to soccer they dig their heels in refuse to get dressed you're dragging them out the door maybe your problem is is that your child consistently forgets their homework at school and doesn't bring their stuff with them or forgets to bring their stuff with them to school and so you have a child that's living in sort of a disorganized state and they need some more support in terms of how to organize themselves and checklists for remembering their things and and consequences for you get one hall pass a semester for you know for older kids of me bringing your stuff back and other than that we need to plan and set you up for success so you can be responsible for your stuff because I'm not gonna go with you to college one day and be able to you know remind you to bring all the things like I got to teach you how to be responsible for your own stuff so it might be that you have a child that has a lot of disorganization going on we gotta investigate okay we gotta investigate and really figure out what's going on underneath the behavior a nice parent does that the next place we get to so once we've like basically the first two steps are us just playing detective we're assessing we're investigating and then we get to the C this is where the communication piece comes in now it's time to actually help your child start to solve their problem but we got to learn how to communicate effectively how do we communicate effectively a lot of you guys are saying I'm meant to be the parent not the friend you know I can't be too nice guess what you can be nice and you can be the parent when you learn how to communicate with pack leadership that assertiveness that sends them the message you're safe you're calm I'm the parent I'm the pack leader sometimes you need when they're all dysregulated and disorganized they may need you to use that late night FM DJ voice to kind of help them ground let them know we can solve this calm people solve problems I got you as soon as I can understand you I'm here for you I'm your girl but we also have to know how to communicate with empathy empathy is the most magical communication tool anyone can learn and when a parent learns how to communicate with empathy and that grounded secure pack leadership it's like the recipe for connection it is the it is the secret sauce what does empathy look like most of the time it's just stating the obvious it's us resisting those of us most of us who are recovering fixers resisting jumping in to telling them what they need to do and how they need to fix it and how they need to solve it it's us just stating the obvious seems like you had a long day at school and you just need some time it seems like you're super frustrated with such and such you wanted this you wanted the cookie and I made apple slices and peanut butter for your snack and you really just wanted a cookie and they're like yes and you're like I get it cookies are delicious you know in our family we we want to give our bodies the food it needs to grow first so I'll tell you what you'll eat the apples and then we'll talk cookies I get it you want the cookie you love the cookie you just state it you know you have the two siblings fighting and you say to the one you know maybe the older child who's so annoyed with the younger child when you when you go to them you say you just had a long day at school and all you want is just to have some quiet 
you don't feel like playing right now. Am I getting this right? That's showing up and just saying, I see you. I'm not making you wrong for it. I'm not going to attack your behavior right now. I'm going to let you know I get it. And they're like, yes. When they look at you and say yes, that's when they're saying thank you. Thank you for sending me a message that I am worthy of you seeing me and hearing me. Thank you for understanding me. It doesn't mean that later we're not going to get to a place of, like, we're a team. We're a family. We all work together. Calling people names, absolutely not. Unacceptable. This family has to be a safe zone. There is no violence. No violence in terms, no, no violent hands, no violent words, no name calling. This has to be everyone's safe zone. We have to treat each other kindly. That will come later. But right now, when you have two kids fighting or you've got a problem and you've got a child in the midst of upset, telling them what all the rules are in that moment before you've taken the time to communicate with pack leadership and empathy will just feel like a lecture. They will tune you out. They will feel misunderstood. They will feel disconnected from you. People are very interested and open to learning things from people that they feel like are on their team. That's what empathy accomplishes. It is the gateway to connection, the gateway. And, and it is a skill that you learn. It is a skill that you practice, and the more you practice, the more it comes naturally, and you start to use empathy in all your communication. It enhances every relationship in your life. So I want you all to know that most of us don't nest. I have lots of parents who are like, okay, what does it look like again? How do you say it? What do you do? Because most of us weren't empathized with in our lives growing up. We were just lectured to and told what we should do and shouldn't do. And so it's a skill set. And I do have, many of you may know, a productive conversation tool, a three-step process for mastering empathy. So like when I say you come, we have a path, we have a community, and we have a path forward, these are skill sets that you learn and you practice. And the beauty of having little tiny kids, especially strong-willed ones, is they give you, you know, it's like Malcolm Gladwell says, 10,000 hours of practice makes anyone into an expert. For those of you who've read his book, Outliers, you have lots of opportunities to practice these new skills when you got little kids or big kids. And so before you know it, you will be communicating with empathy like it's like like it's just natural because you will master this skill. You'll have lots of opportunities to practice it, but you got to know where to start. And then the last part of being a nice parent is E, enforce. Okay? Enforce consequences. Now, that doesn't sound so nice, right? Like enforce. But what I want y'all to know is enforce actually just means follow through. Follow through. And most of the time, it's following through on something that is a natural consequence. So a lot of times people in this day and age use the term consequence, but they really mean punishment. If you look up the definition of punishment, it's like causing severe pain and anguish on another person. And I don't think, you know, I don't think most of us really believe that we're going to teach our kids, and, and many of you have tried it, you know, we're not going to teach our kids right from wrong because the truth is we know when things are working because that problem stops popping up again and again and again. So if you have used a lot of punishment, I mean, if you look and assess, did the problem go away? Chances are they didn't. And if that problem went away, a very similar problem popped up. It's like whack-a-mole. What consequences, actual consequences do, is they teach cause and effect. When you do this, then this happens. And when it's something that is a natural consequence, like your child forgets their lunch, and you don't race up there to deliver their lunch, super hard, right? Super hard to do. And I'm not saying you never do this, but let's say you have a child that 
consistently forgets their lunch and you consistently bring it up. They never have that opportunity to feel hungry and inconvenienced because you constantly are fixing and solving and coming to the rescue. And then you might bitch and moan and, and lecture them about how they need to be more responsible later, but you're never allowing that cause and effect to occur. So their brains don't learn how to shift and change their behavior. So following through is really the enforcement. And most of the time, it is just a natural consequence of allowing them to experience the discomfort and for you then to go back into empathizing. They come home from school and they're like, why didn't you bring my lunch? I called you. I don't understand why you didn't bring it. And you're like, I know I had such a busy day. Are you hungry? Yes. I, so hard. Okay, let's get you a snack. Come on, let's get you a snack. Because bam, we're cycling back through needs. I'm not going to now lecture why you need to remember to be responsible and bring your lunch and yada, yada, yada. I'm just going to get you a freaking snack. And once you're eating the snack and you're eating it, you're going to empathize. You're going to be like, you were so hungry. That was so hard today. Did it affect your whole day? Was it harder to learn? Yeah. I, I, you know what? I, I have trouble learning when you know, learning something new when I'm hungry too. I get it. So let's talk about, let's talk about how we can help you to remember to bring your lunch since it seems like that's something that somehow doesn't make it into your backpack a lot of mornings. Let's come up with a plan and a system. I'm here for you. I'm your person. We'll come up. Like we need a checklist. We need something that to put on the back door to say, did you remember your lunch? Do we need to put a picture of, your, of a lunchbox on that back door so that you can be reminded and we can just, you know, we can have a plan in place? What would help you? What or how questions help the child to solve their problem? And so a lot of times it is following through on the natural consequence. So enforce really means following through on natural consequences. Yes, sometimes you are going to have to put a consequence in place. If you've got a kid that's consistently hitting, yeah, there needs to be rules and parameters. If you've got a kid that no matter what, they refuse to get ready in the morning for school and get their stuff together, you need to have a consequence that will help them to learn a better way. Uh, and when you enforce consequences that aren't natural, they just need to be logical or related. So like if you have a kid that keeps hitting their sister and you take away dessert like that's not logical or related so it won't actually make sense to your kids if you have a kid that's consistently hitting their sister and you say you know what until I can be sure that this household is a safe zone for everyone and everyone is following our important family manifesto of we're a team gentle hands kind words uh, there will be no play dates until further notice, until I can be sure that everyone is safe. Because how can I know that you're going to operate, you know, in a responsible way with a friend if I can't even be sure that that's happening here? So we're going to make sure that happens here first. And there will be no play dates until further notice, until that happens here. So, yeah but you need to have it logical and related. And when you learn how to show up in pack leadership and empathy, and you show up as a nice, polite, kind, respectful parent in doing so, that's how your kids learn all the things and how to, how to solve problems. That also helps them to feel so much more regulated and grounded in the world. That's the nice framework. Well, I hope you took notes. Listen to this again and again. This is why we put it on the podcast and really begin to practice thinking differently about the difficult behaviors. Because remember, guys, all behaviors communication. So kids that are angry, shut down, aren't doing well, in the words of Dr. Ross Green, 
are acting on the outside the way they feel on the inside. They can't verbalize it. So they act out in their behavior to let us know how out of control they feel inside their body. They need our help. They need our help. And look, I know you guys. I know y'all. You're cool. You're smart. You're with it. You know how to read the room. You have emotional intelligence. So you can't expect non-French speaking people to learn from you when you're speaking to them in French, when you're teaching them something in French. And our kids are no different, right? Using the NICE framework to lead a productive conversation is how you translate, right? Translate your wisdom into a language that your strong-willed child can actually hear. So you're reading the room, you're a with it person, and you're like, I've been trying to talk to you in the way that I was parented and some methods from yesteryear, nothing's working. So now I'm going to learn this new language, which is really the language of empathy. And it's just, I mean, it's just the way we should, we should solve all the problems. And I mean, there's, business books now that are out there that have become really popular, which is all about using empathy in negotiations. Empathy is a conflict resolution tool, and it is a skill that we can learn and that we can master. So you're learning the NICE framework is how you are learning the language of empathy so that you can lead productive conversations. This is how our strong-willed kids from really all the kids, that's the truth, but the strong-willed ones are the reason why you're here taking the time to listen to things like this because the pain point is so high that we're like, we got to do something. So this is how kids are so much more open and willing to learn new skills. And our strong-willed ones, this is how they can shift from angry and defensive into like you will get a chance to know your child like never before. Like this is how we help them to be the amazing humans we know they were born to be, where they don't have to like be the caged animal fighting for their life all the time, angry, shut down, moody, right? This is how we help them to come into that joyful childhood that we envision for them. So I'm not going to sugarcoat this. This is not easy stuff. It's not the way most of us communicate. It's not the way most of us were parented. Learning a new language, I mean, think about learning French. You don't speak a word of French. Imagine learning French now as an adult. So learning a new language and a new way of solving problems and a new way of communicating with people that are shut down, angry, defiant, all the things, it's not easy. It's not easy. So this is not a quick fix. This is real mind mastery work. It's sort of like people who they want to have, you know, they want to be a person that runs a marathon or they want to be a person that like has a body that's 30 pounds less and yet they still keep eating the same things they've been eating and not exercising in the same way they've not been exercising. Like or I'm going to go and do the marathon and they've never run around the block. Like we all know that would be crazy to think that the results that they, that they say they want are possible if they're not going to put in the work. Like this is the area that is, I would say more than any other area in your life. Can you imagine anything more important than doing this work? So this is the thing, learning this framework really, I just can't emphasize it enough, will lead to lasting change that is going to completely change your child's life. It will make you the person that is their soft place to land. They want to learn from you. They know you're on their team. There's not power struggling you every second because you, you know how to communicate with them in a way that lets them know, hey, I got you. I got your back. I'm your soft place to land. So this is how you build that loving, trusting relationship. And this is how strong-willed kids stop being so strong-willed and just step into all of their awesomeness.
Okay, so if you know that I'm speaking to you and you need to learn this, you've got to do this, and you're ready to go deeper, I want you to head over to my website and go to mastermindparenting.com. Go to the website because there's two ways that you can go deeper. You can master the NICE framework in two different ways, right, to lead those productive conversations. You can sign up for our mini master's self-study program where you can dig into the NICE framework at your own pace, right? So it's self-study, you'll listen, you'll learn, and that's one way you can learn the NICE framework. Or if you know, if you're like, yeah, I've signed up for a million programs, I never do the work, and then I beat myself up and I wasted money, whatever it is, if you know that you're the person that really needs the accountability and support, then join my Mastermind Parenting Basics Bootcamp. That's my 12-week hands-on hybrid coaching program. It's a combination of group coaching and personalized coaching where we study the NICE framework together and it includes live coaching calls and it's the way we structure our programs. It's me coaching our members around the clock. So you really get around the clock support. There's nothing else like it that I've ever heard of. So go to mastermindparenting.com, check out Mini Masters and Basics Boot Camp to start to master the nice framework to lead productive conversations because this is the framework that is going to change your child's life and your life as well. So I'm so excited to be sharing this with you guys and hope today was helpful. Have a good one. Thanks for listening today, guys. I hope you picked up some tips, tools, maybe some baby steps for creating more balance and boundaries in your life. And I just wanted to let you know, if you want to continue moving the needle forward in creating this for yourself, having a happier household, I want you to go to my website and check out mastermindparenting.com. We have three beginning programs, and if you need some accountability and more support, then please look for the one that would be a good fit for you. Um, And as always, we're on all the social channels under Mastermind Parenting. On Instagram, it's Mastermind underscore Parenting. Um, And, you know, periodically, I do pop up on different Instagram lives, Facebook lives, where I give you teaching and coaching, and I love engaging with you live to help you help your strong-willed kids so that they can feel better, because when they feel better, they do better. And um, I love, love, love getting to know you guys. So thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Super, super appreciative.